the first advent is the first coming of Christ and the return of Jesus will be the second advent. Why am I saying that? Because last week we said if we're rejoicing in the first advent of Christ, then it should lead us to preparing for the second advent of Jesus. You know, I was praying this week, I was really challenged this week about where our world is at, where we are at as Christians, where are we at in terms of Christians in the UK. You know, often I looked at things globally, what was going on, but I reduced my view to the UK because this is my home. And our calling as the people of God is to impact where we live. It's one thing praying for everywhere. You know, I don't know about you, but I get overwhelmed when I look at the news. If it was only news from what was going on where I live in Tipton, that would be great. Because I doubt that I'd have an earthquake and I'd have a flood and I'd have a war and I'd have a shooting drive-by happening every single day. Yeah. But when we go to this point where we live in this world, all of a sudden... We have the news that hits us from what's happening in the Ukraine and Russia, what's happening in Israel and in Palestine, what's happening um, in India. Everything hits our news and it becomes a bit overwhelming. And so our challenge as a people of God is to say, well, okay, those things happen, we can pray for those, but actually we are called to impact where we are and trust that God will impact Um, other areas with the believers who are there. I've got to believe that those God is called, let's say in Coventry, or those that he's called in Manchester, that they will fulfill their task as we will fulfill ours. And that means we don't have to look outside of our borders in some ways. We do pray and encourage people, but we get on with what God wants us to do with where he's called. Now, having looked at it within the UK and globally, as human beings, we're kind of hurtling down this path that it's not a good path. If you look at Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve had this choice where God said, this is what you should do. And then the devil came and said, ah, but I think you should do this. And they chose the devil over God. We often don't think of that. We think, oh, they were tempted uh, and they fell. But actually what they did is they obeyed what the devil said they should do and ignored what God said they should do. And the difficulty is that has set a course within humanity. And even though we don't like that course, it seems that we can't escape it. You know, um, I can say this because my dad's gone to glory, but there are things about my dad I didn't like. There are things I like and there are things I didn't like. And I think, you know, I'm never going to be like that. My dad was like this. And then one day you look in the mirror, and I think, man alive, I am doing what my dad did, and I said I didn't like. And so we kind of hit this thing where every generation seems to repeat the process. Yep. You know, we repeat the process. And the sad thing is this. We don't learn from our history. 
You know, if we learned from our history, war would be a thing of the past only. It wouldn't be a thing of the present. I mean, we talk about a world that is supposed to be enlightened. We've te got technology that allows us to do all kinds of things. And yet, the very base things that we look back on, wars and greed, and it's still all on the go. It's still all happening in action. Now, we could say, well, it's not our fault. You know, it was Adam and Eve that were in the garden and made that decision. So it wasn't me. And we kind of decry the things in the past. I find it amazing over the last number of years how people have toppled statues from people, how they've said we need to rewrite this and rewrite that, and some of it may well be justified. And we decry the evil that was gone, but we're oblivious to the evil that we're doing. And we look back and say, well, how evil these people were and what they did, and yet we're oblivious to what we are doing within our generation. No generation seems to see its own evil. And that's a tragedy because then we're looking and we're saying we're okay. Oh, but they're really bad, but they couldn't see their evil. And so every generation kind of repeats what the previous generation did and sometimes we make it worse. And this shouldn't be a surprise because like our ancestors, our general humanity listens to Satan's voice more than it listens to God's. I mean, it does. Let's, let's be honest. If we looked at what we watch on television, it is more of a fulfillment of what the devil wants than it ever is of God. The amount of violence that's on there, the amount of sex that's on there, the amount of ideals that are not conducive for family. I mean, there's very little. I remember reading something and the guy said, if you took God's Ten Commandments and you went through what's on the TV channels and you removed everything that broke one of the Ten Commandments, you would have a blank screen. There is so little within there and so... Even though we look at our ancestors and think, well, we don't want to be like that, ultimately, that is what we do. The world has become even more dangerous. You know, when I was a child, I would go out on my bike all day with my friends. I wouldn't let my two kids out on their bike all day. I want to know where they are. The world is not as safe or certainly doesn't feel as safe nowadays. You go out for a walk and when it's dark, you're a bit more cautious. We went into Birmingham uh, last night and there was a, a football game. I think uh, Villa and, and, and Man City or Man United were playing. And man, it, it was quite frightening just how aggressive the football fans were on the platform on the train station pushing into the train before anybody could get off. We went into the Christmas market. That was another disaster. That was so packed with people. And it was all people just drinking and drinking and drinking. And, and uh, all the time I'm walking around, where's James? Where's James? And I think, what kind of society are we in that it's no longer safe? I mean, you don't see the kids playing in the streets. So we live in a world that over time has become harder to navigate. It's a kind of wilderness that we're in. We don't quite know which way to go. And at every turn, there could be something that is dangerous for us. Now, if we kind of look back in the history of humanity, 
there was a point, you know, Adam and Eve were created, they listened to Satan, ignored God, and it set off a corruption in their humanity, and all of their offspring, whatever they did, was more towards what Satan wanted than what God wanted. And it hit a point a few generations down the line, it wasn't long, until we get to a time of a man called Noah. And in Noah's day, in Genesis 6 verse 5, so just think, Genesis 1 is the creation of humanity, and we just get six chapters along, and this is what it says. Everything humans thought or imagined was constantly and totally evil. Wow. Totally evil. And in the next verse, we read that God saw it, And his heart was grieved. His heart was grieved. He says, I made these people, but the way that they are now living, it really hurts my heart because that was not my intention for them. And so we end up, and the thing is, the solution back then, God was to wipe out all of humanity except one family. The problem is, we've all come from that one family and the world is just as evil as it ever was. So the solution today isn't, hey, let's wipe everybody off because in a few thousand years we would be back to where we are. There is this cycle of humanity that we have a corrupt nature and therefore we end up doing more evil and evil tends to dominate what we do. We see it in our politics, we see it in our society, in our communities. I mean, what kind of a community are we where schools today need metal detectors because kids are taking knives in? Wouldn't have dreamed of it when I was going to school. Take a knife to school, you must be nuts. And so humanity has drifted for thousands of years and in that process, millennia upon millennia, they are racking up the atrocities and the evil activities and the ever-increasing consequences that we face. I've had people come and say to me, well, you know, why did this child die or why are these kids being killed in Palestine or Ukraine or in Israel saying what kind of God allows that and say it's not God we are just receiving the consequences of generations of evil that is impacting why do people die of cancer because actually we're polluting the world I mean we've got to a stage it's written in Jeremiah I think it's Jeremiah when he says the earth will wear out like a garment I mean we're pretty thin now The elbows of the world were kind of seeing the shirt through the the jumper because we're wearing the garment out. And so what we see is just this progressive stuff where we are slowly wearing things out and the ever-increasing consequence is being seen of what we're doing as a humanity. It's no different in our day. Evil, war, greed, It's as rampant as everything else. Let's face it, if you look at the news, it shares nothing except the evil exploits of humanity. Or rather, the news becomes a catalogue of all the evil we do as human beings. Now, you may be saying, hey, Simon, hold on a minute. This is Christmas. This is Advent. Why are you sharing something about how bad the world is? Because I really want to just level 
the, the playing field for a moment, that we are in a position where the world is not a good place to be in and living in the world becomes harder and harder. People can't make ends meet. Um, living with neighbors is difficult. Everything becomes a problem. And I wanted to lay that context out before I read out this scripture from Isaiah that is very relevant to this time of year. And Isaiah 40, verse 1 to 11, this is the NLT, says this. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell her that her sad days are gone and her sins are pardoned. Yes, the Lord has punished her twice over for all her sins. Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. A voice said, shout. I asked, what should I shout? Shout that people are like the grass. Their beauty fades as quickly as the flowers in a field. The grass withers and the flowers fade beneath the breath of the Lord. And so it is with the people. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. O Zion, messenger of good news, shout from the mountaintop. Shout it louder, O Jerusalem. Shout and do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with, and mother the sheep with all the young. Now the passage might be familiar to you, but before we look at why it's familiar, I want to focus on a few details in this passage. It starts with words of comfort. God says, comfort, comfort. Let me tell you that this season that we're in, the God of heaven is good news. He brings comfort. God has not deserted us. We might look at all the evil I mentioned that is in the world, but let me tell you this, that God has not deserted us. Further, we're told that our sins are gone and our hardship is over. How can that be? Let me tell you, it's good news. We've got good news. We live in a world that is like a wilderness, but then we are told, or John the Baptist was told, to make a highway through this wilderness. We live in a world where many people don't know where to turn, where people don't know what path to take. And God says, I'm going to make a highway in this wilderness so that you will know which way you need to travel. How will God do this? Well, we find that the reason this passage is familiar is that it's also quoted in the Gospel of Mark. In the Gospel of Mark, verse, uh, Mark 1, verse 1 to 8, it says this. This is the good news about Jesus the Messiah. 
the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written what we've just read. Look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare a way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including all people of Jerusalem, went to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. He announced, Someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so we have this clear picture that we have a world that is full of sin, a world that is influenced by Satan, a world full of greed and destruction. And in the midst of that, 2,000 years ago, God sent a prophet, John, who began to preach, repent, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand and someone is coming. And I am kind of clearing the ground, but he will build a highway through this world so that those who choose have a very easy and clear way to travel. I love that. I mean, that's good news. I mean, it says right at the very beginning of Mark, this is the good news about Jesus. John the Baptist made this pathway in the wilderness. He told people to repent. He said the Messiah is coming. He said the Messiah will change the world because he will stop this cycle of doing evil by people repenting and putting his spirit in them so that God dwells in our hearts and so we can live a different way. What an amazing thing. You know, when I lived in India, you would drive through a wilderness um, and then you would see this highway that had been newly built all through the wilderness and where before you had these potholed, ragged mud, mud roads with, with stones everywhere, you've now got this beautifully tarmac road and you can get from A to B much faster and without any issue. And so we hit this amazing time that Jesus' death, Jesus' resurrection, Jesus' sacrifice has produced a highway in the world that anybody in the world, no matter what nation they're from, no matter how badly they've sinned, if they're willing to repent of their sin and to put faith in Jesus, they can enter this highway and they can have a clear journey through the world. doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it means they know where they're going. One of the testimonies of Christians throughout history is that wherever the world has been in turmoil through war and through financial crisis and all the stuff that goes on, the Christians have always had a confidence saying, we know where we're going. We know. We're on a highway with Jesus Christ and we're heading in a straight direction through all the wilderness <coughs> and part of what we're called to do is to say to people, listen, get out of this wilderness, get onto the highway, and you will find that you have a clear way ahead of you that you can journey. But we need to repent. The entrance to the highway is saying sorry for the sin that we have done. And not just saying sorry and repeating, 
but about turning around and saying, I'm no longer going to live like this, but I'm going to follow what Jesus wanted. I'm going to obey his commands. I'm going to do what he said. And then we find we are journeying on a highway that brings us closer to God and that gives us a much better way to travel than the wilderness that we were in. Christ sets people free. Some may wonder, sets us free from what? Well, he sets us free from the damage that we cause. You know, in his grace and mercy, Jesus heals people from sicknesses that our world has put upon us. He sets people free in their mind. He delivers people from demons. The greatest gift that a lot of people want this Christmas is peace inside. There's no more turmoil, no more stress. You know, it's been quite amazing when you look through the last decade of people's testimonies, a number of people that are leaving big city high-paid jobs and becoming Thatchers in Norfolk or farmers somewhere else because they say, I don't want this inner stress that comes from the kind of life that is there. But let me tell you, the real peace comes from knowing God. The real peace comes from putting your relationship right. One of the things I really dislike about family life is that sometimes you have an argument. I mean, you guys are really good. You probably never argue with your spouse or with your kids or with your parents. You know, it's all plain. But you know, you know when you have the argument and in here, it's not good. You kind of walk away, you're sitting at the same table, you're smiling nicely, but inside here... It feels out of sorts. There's a turmoil there. You know, it's not right. But when you put it right, when you go up and you say, look, I'm really sorry, would you forgive me? And they say, yeah, and I'm sorry, would you forgive me? All of a sudden, this peace comes back in your heart. And what many people don't realize is that our relationship with God is like that. When we live in this world and we do the things that Jesus does not want us to do, then Inside, we walk around with turmoil and we're forever looking for something that will give us peace and we do it through escapism, with drugs, with alcohol, you name it. But we never get that internal peace. It only comes when we say, Jesus, would you forgive me? I'm sorry for the way that I've lived. I want to change that. I want you to help me. And inside, we receive a peace from God that will take us through every challenge and every difficulty that we see in this life. It doesn't mean that the world becomes uh, less difficult, but it means we have someone who walks with us and we walk with a peace with God through this world. And that, that's the massive difference. I'd say in my last 30 plus years as a believer, the one constant has been that I've always been able to lean heavily upon Jesus. And at times, he's carried me through things that I think, how am I going to get through this? And there are things that you face in your life, and you think, how am I going to get through this? I tell you, the answer is Jesus Christ. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will forgive you. He will empower you. He will give you wisdom. If you spend time listening to him, he will show you how to get onto this highway and he'll say, you've got a clear road, now keep going. The devil will keep tempting you to jump off the highway. He'll say, hey, the wilderness is more fun. But it's not. 
It's just fraught with danger and traps and quagmires and animals and everything else that will stop you and kill you. And so Jesus says, come to me because I am the giver of life. I want you to have an abundant life, but it is only through me. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And so we are left with this amazing challenge that as we celebrate Christmas, we're celebrating not a baby in a manger, but we're celebrating that this baby became a man and this man taught us how to live and then he suffered and died and he says, I have taken all your wrongdoing in my death upon myself and if you believe what I say, if you come in faith, if you ask me to forgive you, then I will change your life and you journey with me on a highway through this world, and people will look at you in wonder and say, how can you be at peace in this world? And you say, because it's Jesus. And so the challenge today is, will you come in faith and repentance and follow Christ? It's as simple as that. Now, maybe it doesn't apply to you. Maybe you're following Jesus. But sometimes there are things that pull us towards the edge of the highway. Sometimes we can spend time looking over thinking, oh, if only I was in the wilderness, that looks much more fun. Or maybe you're in the wilderness looking at the highway thinking, how do I get there? How do I get there? Jesus invites you this morning and he says, I want you to come, but it comes through repentance and it comes through trusting in me in faith. Let's pray.